0: Love Talk Radio.
1: Black Hole Radio presents Disaster Awareness for Community Preparedness with your hosts,
0: Rudolph Muhammad and Yusuf Muhammad. People get ready There's a train of coming You don't need no baggage You just get on Yes, sir. Thank you, fam. You hear the dealers calling. Don't need no tickets. You just thank the Lord. So people get ready for the train to join us. Open the doors
2: Blessings, peace, and blessings. Welcome to another edition of Disaster Awareness for Community Preparedness. It comes before you every week by God's grace and mercy every Friday from 4 o'clock to 6 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I am your co-host, Brother Youssef Muhammad, along with our dear brother, Brother Rudolph T. Muhammad. It's our pleasure to come before you and serve you. In the capacity that God is ordering our steps and making firm our feet, giving all things in the name of God, starting with his name, the beneficent, the merciful and compassionate, the architect of the universe, the creator of the heavens and the earth and all that is in between. We thank him for his merciful intervention in the affairs of men who raised and found and raised the most honorable Elijah Muhammad, who found and raised and raised and found the honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan, who we believe is the torchlight for America and a warner to the nations of the earth today. I'm honored to greet our listening audience with the greeting words of peace. We say it in one of the language of our ancestors. Assalamu alaikum.
3: salam, sir.
2: Thank you, Brother Rudolph, and let me be clear, that's one of our original languages of our ancestors. Certainly, we want to thank all of you for the honor of your ear and the privilege of your presence. Those who tune in every week on a consistent and constant basis, and those who may be tuning in for the first time, we say welcome, welcome, welcome. Certainly, many of us know that this program is designed for you to become self-reliant and taking appropriate action in response to any emergency. And as I'm pointing my finger to you, I'm pointing three other fingers back to me. So it's for us to become self-reliant. As the gospel singer Hezekiah Walker would sing, we need you to survive. This program promotes public awareness and engages in public outreach to inform to educate and to train all people in how to best prepare for, respond to, and recover from all emergencies. Our objective is to ensure that everyone has a reasonable working knowledge of disaster preparedness and to help you to determine the best choices in any emergency, excuse me, to avert danger and to save lives. Our vision is that each individual citizen, including every capable man, woman, and child, understand their personal responsibility for the safety of themselves, their family, their neighbors, and the overall well-being of the larger community. Once again, it's my pleasure to welcome you to another weekly edition of Disaster Awareness for Community Preparedness. Uh, For those who may be observing the Islamic month of Ramadan, we say Ramadan Mubarak. Ramadan Kareem. And for those who have no idea of what that is about, uh, last week we spoke on one aspect of Ramadan, which is the ninth month of the lunar calendar that the Muslims uh, practice uh a higher level of discipline by fasting from that which is natural to them, both food and sex, by reading the Holy Quran and increasing our prayers and doing for the least of these more than we've done prior to the month in order to recalibrate ourselves, that we would become better servants, better students, better soldiers, better saviors. To our people So Ramadan Mubarak Blessed Ramadan to everyone Who's observing uh, This holy month of Ramadan And so without further delay I'm going to pass it over to our brother Brother Rudolph T. Muhammad Who will give you the welcoming And if there are any rules of engagement Of course there are always rules of engagement And whatever Allah has on his heart to share with us The floor is yours brother Rudolph As-salamu alaykum sir
3: Wa well, like- Thank you, sir As-salamu alaykum Shalom alaykum Hotep Peace What's up? Buenos tardes These are some of the greetings used by our family All over the planet If we did not say the one That makes you feel Personally, particularly uh, Welcome Then get at us Let us know so that we can, because we want each of you to know that this is your home. This is a place for us as a family to sit and, as they say, have a fireside chat so that we can talk about the issues that are ill-affecting us. Here we are on this globe, because three things are for sure. It doesn't matter what our color, it doesn't matter what our faith practice, and it doesn't matter what our political affiliation. If we are going to be mistreated, oppressed, or suffer at the hands of the 1% who is in control of making the rules and the laws for everyone else to follow while they operate outside of those guidelines, we're going to suffer regardless to those three things, regardless to who we say we pray to, regardless to where we throw our vote, and regardless to what the color of our skin is. Because on that echelon, they don't deal with any of those three means nothing to them. All that means is either you have or you have not. And we are certainly in the have not category altogether. So, beginning all things in the name of the Most High, the one God who is responsible for all that was, is, and will be. He is called the Grand Architect of the Universe. He is called Grandfather. He is called by many names, depending on where you are on the planet. But we are definitely talking about that individual who is responsible for your and my being here, that individual who put all of this into motion before you and I were even a thought in our parents' mind, and before we got here and we were birthed Into an environment And a world that was already turning With all of these things here So we're talking about that one Who has the ability To control the weather That one who makes rain, hail, snow, and earthquakes That one who is the judge of judges That one who is the doctor of all doctors so to that one and that one alone, we, of course, bow, we pay homage, we thank him for allowing us another day in his wonderful creation called life because there are some who lay down last night who did not wake up this morning. So they're not right.
0: here
3: to continue this personal on the personal side. My brother-in-law, my sister's husband, who they, I guess they uh April 21st. I guess would have made 50 years. They were married. You no, know, my mm-hmm. whole entire life, adult, childhood and adult life. And I got the call this morning that he didn't wake up this morning. hmm. And so may Allah be pleased with him.
0: That's right. Because
3: to you and I, Brother Yusuf, and the millions of other practicing Muslims the world, to make your transition during this time of year, oh, it's not a sad thing. It's a glorious thing. Mm -hmm. But, you know, even with that, there's still the human uh, emotion of sadness and the human emotion of loss and grief that my family is going through now, and we just pray that God will protect them in the sense that they don't let their grief spin them out of their orbit into mm-hmm. a situation that may make things worse for them, that they grieve and have to do something else uh, at the same time. So just want to throw that out there. But, again, it's not just me. I know that there are others who are suffering loss at this time. But, again, mm-hmm. just understand that Up this morning, we still have a job to do
4: and our
3: job is to civilize the uncivilized. It is to take the knowledge that we have that we know to be good and to spread it, like fertilizer across this planet so those that don't know they don't. And spreading truth regardless to whom or what. So, again, you know, beginning offerings in the name of the one God and thanking him and his Christ for the blessings of grace.
2: Brother Rudolph, are you with me? The world
3: would news every day, and you hear about the killing at this gas station, you hear about the push-in robbery here, and you hear about the mass shootings over here and over there, we have somehow been blessed that it's there, but it hasn't touched us. And that's grace and mercy, because it's not through any goodness of our own that we are still here in this day and time so again to them and then to the divine reminder that is here day and time we call him the uh uh the heavyweight champion about the one individual who speaks on behalf of oppressed people anywhere.
2: Brother Rudolph, I don't know if you're moving in your office or in your studio, but your transmission is coming in and out, sir. Oh, Okay, thank you, sir.
3: Okay, yes. But we're talking about none other than our big brother, the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan who has been consistent over these last decades of speaking truth to power and not looking for anything in return. And he has been chiding us to unite, and he's been admonishing the power structures. It's almost like he's speaking out of the book of Isaiah Where every time he opens his mouth to the power structure, he starts out with, whoa, to them. So I'm going to stop it right there, Brother Yusuf, and leave that where it is. And we're going to get into today's show, which the topic today is one that I believe, if it has not, it will touch just about every family that's on these airwaves at some point or another. And we're talking about the mental health crisis in America. Now, we know that over the years there's always been a segment of the population that has had mental illnesses in one form or another. And we're not um, we're not saying that in any disrespectful way to anyone. We're talking about those crises that go on that affect a person's ability to use sound judgment and to make a proper decision based on the situation that they're in, and it's just. An overload. It's a circuitry overload. Because you get so stressed out at a certain point that you cannot make a rational decision. And based upon how stressed out you are and whether or not you can be talked off the ledge or whether or not someone is there that can bring you back to present time that will determine what the outcome will be. And so we want to just delve into that today um, for the time that we have left and see what it is that you, the listeners, think about this and see if you're even aware of the changes that have been made. There are certain laws that have been changed regarding the mental health Community, there are certain policies and procedures that have gone on that have changed that have ill affected that entire community. so we'll get into it um brother Yusuf, if you can um give them the um rules of engagement for this next t- uh, amount of time um, and um before our subject matter guests come on if you can lay the basis with the article that we have prepared.
2: It'll be my pleasure, Brother Rudolph. Thank you for that welcoming and setting the tone for uh, today's program. Again, brothers and sisters, uh, if you're online by uh, way of blog talk radio forward slash black hole radio, whole spelled W-H-O-L-E, um, we welcome you. But if you want to share with someone in your network to come onto the program, you can have them also call in to 563-999-3089. And so we've been blessed uh, today to have uh, some guests who have taken time out of their busy schedules to be with us to engage in this wonderful subject. And uh, I believe we have Dr. Mwata Kevin Washington, the former president of the Black Psychologist Incorporated, in the studio, who's also, Brother Rudolph, a theologian. So we, we're dealing with uh, uh, a man who's certainly quite qualified, but more than that, to me, to us, he's just a good brother. He's a brother who's yes, committed sir. his life to the least of these, and uh, toward the end of our program today, Lord willing, we'll have Dr. Anel Prim of the All Healers Mental Health Alliance, who comes out of the uh, psychiatry side of mental health. And, you know, beyond all of her, if I started giving you, uh, our listening audience, a bio narrative of what Dr. Washington has done, Dr. Prem has done, then we'd be here till next week. But <laughs> Dr. Prem is like Dr. Washington, just good brothers and sisters who have committed their lives the least of these. Um, You know, last week I closed out our session speaking about a uh, symposium that took place earlier today in Albany, New York for mental health communities of color as they uh, shaped it. It said the community educational session will address mental health in communities of color. The aftermath of COVID-19, natural disasters, social detriments of health, heightened levels of grief, loss and violence, and persuasive and persistent systematic racism has been devastating for our communities. Now is the time to take a bold and intentional action, and, you know, with all of these unexpected and some may even say predictable and tragic experiences also present, unprecedented opportunities to do things differently with freshly culturally informed and equitable lens at all levels is what they were promoting for their symposium. I didn't get a chance to tune in this morning, but I thought that was a good segue that we would do something similar this week, not to know that in this week's edition of the Final Call newspaper, there was a report by Sister Charlene Muhammad, who's the national correspondent, of the Final Calls News, she penned a article titled, Report Examines the Crisis Challenges Facing Black Mental Health Workforce. So, you know, this is just not a trend. It's different levels, as Brother Rudolph said. You know, when you talk about
1: PTSD
2: or whether it's post-traumatic stress disorder or post-traumatic slave disorder or syndrome. You know, we've yes, been uh, chemically imbalanced and being born in sin and shaped in iniquity since we came over here on the shores of Jamestown, Virginia. I think it says, Dr. M. Watts something about by the shores of Babylon when we laid down. Oh, Lord, how we wept when we remembered Zion. Oh, yes, they carried us away the captivity and required of us a song. How can we sing a holy song in a strange land? So we've been struggling for balance ever since. The OJs would say, ship ahoy, ship ahoy. Can't you feel the motion of the ocean? That's in our DNA, <laughs> but I'm going to get out your way, brothers. Yes, sisters, sir. And let uh, Dr. M. Water, uh, uh, come on and share whatever's on his heart, and then we can go into excerpts of the article, the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan also dedicated chapters to mental health in his uh, prolific book, A Torchlight for America. And uh, y'all forgive me, but you know, Dr. Washington and Brother Rudolph and listening audience know every now and then I'm just wired like that. I'll jump into a lyric here and there. So I already gave you. Uh, uh, the gospel go already ahead. gave go you ahead. Ahead. the r and B. I just got to move up to old school hip-hop. A child is born with no state of mind. He was blind to the ways of mankind. God is smiling on you, but he's frowning too, because only God knows what you go through. So to help navigate us through this mental health crisis, both for our community and the healthcare professionals, we're honored to have Dr. Mwada Kevin Washington with us. Dr. Washington, welcome, beloved, peace and blessings, and thank you for taking time out to be a guest on this week's edition of Disaster Awareness for Community Preparedness.
1: Brother, it is indeed an honor and a pleasure to be here. I open with assalamu Alaikum.
2: Sir. sir.
1: And uh, I also understand we, uh, uh, we are in this in the month of ramadan so i say ramadan m'barak ramadan, ramadan Kareem. Kareem, sir thank you it is uh uh i'm just uh was that was that brother rudolph uh spitting that yes, the sir. lyrics all about the about the <laughs> dynamics of the of the multitude of the names of the deity that goes on uh grandmother called the rocking weary land i said something, something that I, I heard water. brother something i heard you just <laughs> put it all out there You know in the, Among the zoo They call him the Kula Kulu uh, Umba Kwangi The great grandfather They call him Clay There you uh, go They call that's him poor, right? The one that is no, Not known totally I mean you it, it, it was I was on fire From that alone Then my brother Talks about It's like a jungle. Sometimes it makes me wonder How me I am going on, going on. <laughs> Go ahead <laughs> <Whoa>. Right
0: there
1: <laughs> That That alone <laughs> is the power Uh of no mo the power of healing. So when you talked about the idea of mental health and mental illness, and, and, and brother, you articulated clearly uh, singing a song in a foreign land that that there are dynamics of mental illness and mental ill health in our community that that has gone unaddressed. Because when you coexist with an individual a person or a a system that is uh, in, in ill health, You have to become ill in that process. And I say it to you like this. If you know that I am a crackhead and I'm coming to your house, you begin to think like a crackhead to make sure that you protect everything inside your house. And so what happens is that as we have existed in this space with a population that has demonstrated no level of human human, uh, kindness, no level of what we consider to be uh, humanity. Remember, many of the people that, that started this space and others were kicked out of their, their own space because something was awful with them. So as a result, we have uh, not only has it been a strange land, but a strange land led by people with ill intent against all that they do not choose to understand, and that all that they want to control. And so that's part of the problem. And then the second part of the problem is imagine the sadness, the depression, the the anxiety, the angst of going from one place that you know to to another place that that you have no knowledge of. That's a whole other level of sadness and depression. And then you begin to couple that with the process of being sodomized, brutalized, dehumanized. And so you put all of that together. And the the major wonder in the world should be, and is for me right now is, how are these brothers and sisters on Black Talk Radio having a conversation when they should be out of their minds right now? That's that's, that's mental health right there. Mental illness has has to be addressed. Uh, We have to look at that from that perspective. And don't be afraid to go there. People are afraid to go there. Our, 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 Our great psychiatrist, Bobby, uh, Bobby Wright was uh, talked clearly about the psychopathic racial disorder, mm-hmm. and so, mm-hmm. so, so he was very clear that when you have a population doing, even by their definition of what it means to be psychopathic, they are actually it. When you can have a brother that can articulate that with with eloquence, man, it's it's it, it's it's just time to stop and do the healing work. So I'm honored uh, to be. Here. You didn't call me to do that part. Uh, you called me to talk about mental ills and mental health uh, for Black folks and the healing no, process, the but job. I just,
0: Go ahead. think do like this,
1: moves, that, Go uh, right the in. mic is yours, yes, sir. Because you mentioned you 1619, mentioned right? you got to understand our people already traveled even before 1619, but even that process of, of right. only being human by virtue of uh, enslavement, come on, man, something's wrong with that right there. I only have humanity based on the fact that I was oppressed. That is also another issue of dehumanization. So we don't even call this thing... Um, this idea of uh, post-traumatic because uh, as as Sister Joy and I were talking about this when she was coming up with the, with the term out the gate, I was, I was already uh, nurturing the concept of not only this idea of persistent ma'afa stress, right, this, mm. the, the, the idea mm. of
0: the ma'afa yes, of the oh. Suffering
1: oh, yeah. African people, right, so that's a, mm-hmm. that's another form of, of PMS, right, persistent ma'afa stress. But the issue of mm. uh, the persisting, right, Enslavement, systemic trauma That is, it is a pest P-E-S-T It is an ongoing process It's not something that ends It's not like the post means that we've gotten through it Post means that it's right. over Right? That's So we have post You know, when somebody comes back from war You could do some post-traumatic Right? Psychotherapy Because you've moved beyond yes, the sir. trauma
3: Yes, sir yes, But sir. if
1: we are perpetually in a process where we have a a Trayvon Martin to a a, 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 a Ahmad, and we go from that to to, to Philando Castile, and we just keep going on and on and on. Where is the post? Mm -hmm. We're not even in a post moment, so we can't talk about anything. Post, that thing is a pest. It is persistent, Mm. enslavement, systemic trauma. Persistent, it is ongoing, right? Enslavement based on the ideology of white supremacist thought, in white terrorism, systemic, it is in everything that we begin to encounter, from the schools we encounter, from healthcare care uh, to the legal system uh, to the media, and it is traumatizing. It is disruptive to our internal essence and our spirit, our psyche. Therefore, I call it PEST, persistent enslavement systemic trauma. And how do we heal that? This is it right here. You just said it the uh the the no mo the power of the word we articulate certain things but we're dealing with deprivation disenfranchisement dehumanization and despiritualization caused by not only the conditions of enslavement and incarceration but also uh the the idea of moving from one place to another and they wouldn't even know how to survive among ourselves so here we are brothers i am here for this conversation i'm here for this let's 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 whatever we're going to talk about let's do it Thank you, big brother. Thank you. I'm going to let
2: Rudolph give you a question. You know, we were going to use the article relative to the black uh, professionals and how mental health impacts them. You know, Brother Rudolph and I do a, a workshop, uh, Dr. Mwata uh, that that um, speaks to the psychology of the victim, the psychology of the first responder, and the psychology of the emergency manager. Some of uh, the impact on each one are the same. Some are different. And so I can go into the article that was reported in the Final Call newspaper, but I'm going to let Brother Rudolph, if he has a question to ask you, relative to what you just said and that beautiful uh, baseline assessment that you gave. Go ahead, Brother Rudolph. The floor is yours, Brother (laughs)
3: No, sir. I, I'm still processing everything that he said. So you can go ahead <laughs> to the article because it's going to take me some
1: time to digest this one. <laughs> yes, yes, beautiful, well, Rudolph. You got it all started when you brought up all the constructs of how we how we make sense of the world as, as you repair the, uh, the, the the questions, but Muhammad. We uh, uh, how we have been able to maintain a level of sanity is understanding that our life is beyond this space. Even when we talk about certain things that we do and don't eat, I want to just talk about the uh, the the, the chitlins, for example. Uh, uh, some uh, spell chitterlings, but people say, "Well, we don't eat that." I want to I want to pause just for a moment to say, I'm sure the first person that consumed it did not desire that as their main uh, a delicacy item to be right. consumed. Right. It was the intestines that they took. They took the s o l e, the sole food that was left. And transformed it by that soul, the substance that could, could sustain them until they could get to something better, and they did it because they said somebody is coming after me. One of the things that we have to do, whether we are the uh, within our whether we are the victim victimized or the uh, first responder, that we must know how to stop and give deference to those that have come before us. That we have come from a people that have not only been through things, but they have, because of going through things, have been able to elevate consciousness, elevate spirit, elevate something that is right. powerful. that is a thing that we don't do not do a good job, but we don't acknowledge that we are the seed of a 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 seed of, a seed of, a seed of the seed right if that's a whole element of, of healing mm. there alone right mm. not getting stuck on our condition. That we've been conditioned by, right. conditioned but understanding that by virtue of our essence we are here because we've been div- divinely ordained to be here, and we have, we acknowledge that because we understand that there was Big Mama and Lucy and 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 Madea and Uncle Buck and Aunt Joe and Mookie and Moo Moo and Ray Ray. And we keep going all the way back, and they have existed <laughs> from That's time right. to moral That's and right. been able to to, to to sustain themselves because they knew that something in them was greater than the conditions they found themselves in. And and that's the power of who we are. That's the, that's the first part, of power of healing, is knowing that you cover something greater than your condition that you find yourself in.
2: Beautiful. Beautiful. And,
1: and, and since, yeah. since we're
3: there, since we're there, and see, you just spoke to the only, only antidote that can help to transform that mental illness back into sanity. Okay. Is knowing that th- knowing that there is a power that is greater than the condition that you're in, and when you can see that your condition is a temporary place of being uh, and a temporary station in life, but it's not the end all be all it's not where you're headed it's where you are right now what what what, mm. what, what the song says is it's not where you from it's where you at well Rock we, well, we know on. where we're go from ahead. we're from kings and queens all right but go back further than that we are from the creator himself so if mm. our father is the creator then what is already in us that's lying dormant that has the power that's activated to jettison us from where we are to where we need to be? But if you get stuck, focused on the punch, it's like being in a, 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 a fight. If you get stuck and get focused on the punches that keep coming to your head, then you never get the time to get around that to see that well if you slip one or two then you can throw a punch or two and you can put some space in between you and the one that's hitting you. Well we're being (laughs) rocked by so many things right now and this is intentional. And this shows again how important we are as a people and with our DNA, the way that it's constructed that you can't just hit us with one thing and it's going to stop us. You have to hit us with a barrage of things to keep us focused on many different things at the same time to kind of stop our movement because we are designed to move through adversity. We're designed Mm. to overcome adversity. We are are, are created in a way, just think about it, when a woman and a man lay down and get together and the man emits uh, the sperm into the woman to fertilize the egg, they say it's over a million sperm cells that are going through her vaginal tract but only one is going to get to fertilize the egg, the rest become food for the process. Well, if you and I are here alive at this day and time, then we already overcame that million-and-one odds just to be here. So if that's the case, then what is here that could possibly stop us if we could focus enough on the fact that we came from a turbulent beginning, came through the vaginal tract, which was hostile, into a physical reality that was hostile. So we've been overcoming hurdles ever since we got here. So I'm going to stop with that.
1: I'm going to start with that. You, uh, <laughs> I, 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 I got to jump in. I, I just want to say that what do you all, what, what, do, what do the brothers of nations nation say, say who's, who's the black man?
2: <laughs> Who is the original man? The original man is the Asiatic black man, the maker, the owner, the cream of the planet Earth,
1: God of the universe. God of the universe. That, see, see when, when you know that, right, see, that's healing. And that's one of the things that as healers, as we do this work, uh, as we talk about the, addressing the challenges of being a first responder, as I'm a, I'm a responder because I am just what, as you said I am. I am the cream. I am the, I am that. And as a result of moving into that I am, it changes things. We have to, as 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 healers, as psychologists, we have to have to remind our uh, people that you're not, as you said, a victim. Of your condition, more so than you have been victimized by your conditioning, and that is how you've been mm-hmm. uh, forced to see yourself, right? Conditioning uh, that certain things are as they are. But uh, one of the things I admire, I love. That's why I studied with the brothers. I'm, oh, I get there. I, I'm there on Fridays. Yes, that's it. I I, I study with the brothers on Fridays. I want to be clear. I'm there. Uh, Go uh, ahead. The group, uh, uh, because uh, I, I, I admire. The transformative process of moving the mind from being lowly, to understanding that this is what I'm think about the think about this the improbable product of bean pie. What, what, black folks are not desiring a bean pie. What is a bean and a pie? How can they even go together, right? Super potato pie. You can hook me, you can get me on that, but a bean pie. No, it doesn't even work. So you have an improbable product, and then you have a, a product that uh, is not necessarily admired. Folks, black folks not doing a whole lot of reading, so there's a newspaper, a final call, and then you got a black man out on the corner in the summertime in a suit. Wait a second. So you got somebody doing the improbable, the impossible, and the undesirable, but because mm. they know who they are, they're able to go out and do that. That is the power of the work that we have to do as healers. And when you know who you are, you can do the impossible, you can do the improbable, and the unthinkable and you can be victorious in it. And so we have the great work uh, as healers, uh, as psychologists, as psychiatrists, to begin to, first of all, acknowledge the fact uh, that we've come from something greater than ourselves. We talk, we tell our clients to think about uh, that you come from something greater than this condition. And the second thing is that, as you said earlier, there is nothing that you are facing that you cannot be victorious over. No matter how bad it is, no matter how bad it looks, I'm not, I'm not going to ever say I've always thought this way. I thought about how I could check out myself. And I realized that, uh, as a matter of fact, uh, truth be told, I had figured out I was running with this, this group one morning, a uh, confession, and we were jogging, and uh, and bills and, and were coming left and right, and nothing was, was going right. I said, well, I'm jogging with this group. They're, they're, they're doing this, this interview with this brother, talking about the Big Daddy Running Club. And I said, if I just jump over this bridge right here at Rock Creek Park, And disappear. All, all my my family issues would be gone because they don't have to deal with me not having the money. And then I thought about it. Hit me like, brother, if you jump off the bridge, you can mess this man whole whole interview up. Man, keep on running with these people. So I kept running, (laughs) and I ran, and I died. And that was on a Sunday. I remember it was on a Sunday. And let me tell you something, the mail came early on that Monday, and the check I was looking for was in the mail. Here's my point. is that If I had jumped off the bridge on Sunday, I would have missed a check on Monday. So the point is never never do something evasive uh, that, that, that is permanent, right, on one day when you don't know what the next day is going to bring. So the second part is understanding right. that you don't know the end of the story yet. Right. This is only a chapter right. in the book. This this is not the conclusion. This is not the epilogue. This is simply a chapter in the book. So, one, you come from greatness. Two, you're only in a chapter right now. So what are you going to do, first responder? How are you going to heal? It seems elusive. How are you going to go deal with that? You know, because you have been made for this moment. You have mm. been made as a victim, yes. You've been victimized, but as you said that if I am a cell, one in a million cells, as the, as the, as the sperm was admitted into the womb and when the, when the sperm and egg zygote connected, a light flash. My question becomes, where did the light come from? And then all those other cells, before they even became the food, they turned that egg counterclockwise inside the womb, and the earth turns counterclockwise, which means, by in fact, I was already connected inside the womb, which is also written in Psalms 139 when it says that before I was even created, you knew every hair on my head. So it's already there Mm -hmm. that we Mm -hmm. are here. Somebody got mad with me just today. Uh, I'm closing right here. She got, she got mad. She said, uh, "Oh, so you have a birthday coming up?" I said, uh, "Yes." Yeah, so what are you gonna do for your birthday? I said, "My work." She got mad. You gotta do something for your birthday. I said, "I was born to work. I was born to do something." Well, you, it's more life is just working. You gotta have some fun. Work is fun. I'm gonna put all that in there. But my birthing process, my coming into being, was not for me simply to have a celebration. My birthing was that I have a function, a form, something to do, and I will do that and find joy in Uh-oh. that, and then have my part on, on the backside. So, the other things that to know that you're born with a purpose. I'm, 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 I stopped that. So, one, lineage; two, you're not here by accident. You're born with the with purpose. And so, when we get into our missions in life of being responders, we are on our mission to do the healing work. And even though it seems it's improbable. We could be victorious in it because we recognize who we are.
2: Beautiful. Brothers and sisters, as we're at 445 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, we've been listening to our dear brother, Dr. Mwata Kevin Washington, former president of the black psychologists incorporated. uh, Also a, a a theologian and our brother has been blessing us with what God has given him to give to all of us and, Brother Rudolph said initially, uh, Brother Dr. Washington, he didn't have a question until you turned it up a little bit and it was over. I said to myself, well, what am I going to do with two ministers on this line? I guess I'll just have to be the choir. So, look, when you talked about the seed, uh, Doc, and and Brother Rudolph talked about the sperm, it brought me to the whinings. Millions didn't make it but I was one of the ones who did. And uh, don't make me go into, don't make me go into uh my man Larry Grant, one in a million chance of a lifetime. And so, uh brothers and sisters <laughs> our listening audience, we want you to know that you can call in, you can press 1 on your phone pad and you can be brought into the studio if you have any questions for Dr. Washington or Brother Rudolph or myself as we go deeper into Uh, this mental health crisis, both with uh, our community and our mental health professionals. We wanted to use as a base the article in the Final Call newspaper uh, by our dear sister Charlene Muhammad, the national correspondent that she penned entitled, Report, examines the crisis uh, challenges facing black mental health workforce. And one of the pictures in the article, Uh, Doc, is the cover of the Black Mental Health Workforce Survey Report, a partnership uh, in association with the Black Psychologists Incorporated and the National Association of Black Social Workers Incorporated. And, you know, I can't say that uh, name of that organization without giving a shout-out to our dear brother, Baba Leonard Dunstan, who uh, is a regular on this program as a listener and as uh, one that's who has shared his expertise in the past. But as you know, we let our papas right. who who uh, earned the rest. Uh, he passed on the baton to our dear sister, Sister Zakia Newton of the Black Family Summit. And who knows, she may be listening. She may be coming on as well but we thank all of you we thank all of you on the line again for the honor of your ear and the privilege of your presence and feel free to come into the program and share what god has blessed you to uh want to bring to the program now the article starts by saying this there is a mental health crisis in black communities among black mental health professionals themselves according to the state of Black Mental Health Workforce Survey report. The quote-unquote syndemic, S-Y-N-D-E-M-I-C, syndemic of COVID-19, racism, and the economic oppression that came into focus in 2020 has heightened the crisis for Black mental health professionals and the people they serve, according to the survey released earlier this year. A syndemic, by definition, is an epidemic that includes two or more current or concurrent or back-to-back epidemics, according to the behavioral health specialist, uh, Lene London, project lead and report co-author. But for African Americans, our syndemic was the pandemic. Everybody goes into mental health crisis. Ms. London told the final call. You're a servant, boots on the ground, your front line as a person, as a professional, but the people you serve look like you, she added. Black mental health professionals were traumatized by the pandemic professionally, overworked and overstressed, observed Ms. London. They watched their mirror images, meaning other Black folks, experience stress and trauma as a secondary trauma. Then came the third layer, she explained. You're at home as a person with your family, as a black person watching all of this happen uh, professionally, watching the police murder people that look like you, that act like your brother, look like your sister, We have a three- to four-fold expression of trauma as a black mental health professional, and you're working for a system that is apathetic to all of these things happening, she said. As a remedy, the Association of Black Psychologists Incorporated launched the Sawabana Healing Circles for black nurses and EMTs because they were watching their people die Ms. London said the Suwabana Healing Circles are not therapy but virtual spaces where participants lean or learn ways to cope with racial stress such as COVID-19, culturally specific disenfranchisement, according to the organization. The report, this report was released on January 13th. So I know some things were going on as I was reading this first segment of this report, of this article entitled Report Examines the Crisis Challenges Facing Black Mental Health. And so, uh, Brother Dr. Washington, were you able to hear what I was reading? Indeed.
1: I was, I, I took it all in. Uh, the, uh, the Zulu concept of Bona uh some say I, it means I see you uh when i went over in uh, to uh, south africa and studied uh, among yeah, that's actually where i came back with this uh, idea of ubuntu and why we do ubuntu psychotherapy which is not uh like a western model uh but Sawubona comes from a word bukona and bukona means presence and so it really is seen as, as a, a greeting to a, a large group of people it is saubona sunny bona or uh, a saubona is do you have a presence uh, and then the, 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 the question is about do you have a presence where I see you? You're only present to the that you perform the proper umzebeze. The umzebeze are rituals. So when you do the proper rituals, it connects you. So the fundamental question is asking, are you connected? And who are you connected to? The abadloze. The abadloze are the ancestors uh, uh, or the abapanzi. Abapanzi literally in Zulu means our soil, and so if you think about this, it's saying that are you connected with your soil, with your essence, with who you are? And so then the question is saying, "Sawubona, yebo, Means yes, I am present. And so this idea of being present is difficult uh, to be when one is in a constant state of turmoil. And that's what was also articulated is that as as, as healers, as nurses, and others. Existing in a space, a state of constant turmoil, the the elements of racism and oppression and uh, dehumanization, disenfranchisement are also present among those that are the healers, and then to go and help those that are that are suffering because of this, Uh, on top of uh, the dynamics of the uh, pandemic, the syndemic. that is a powerful a powerful piece that was being addressed there, and so so we talk about the issue of presence, how. Can our people be present? And for healers, it's always important to do the proper umza beze, do the proper ritual before you even go out to do something for somebody else. That's why it says in the airplane, if the airplane should lose pressure, a, 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 right. a mask would drop from the top of this particular ceiling, and before assisting others, put the mask on your face first. And, and some, so, Saul, so right. first day, right. Do you have a pressure?" And so and so, we have to understand that, that yes, we are worn out. Yes, are tired, exhausted, because we, too, were battered by the same thing that our people were battered by. And how do we build ourselves up? We say that I'm present. I'm present because I'm connected. I'm present because I have power, I have purpose, and I have value and worth in the universe. So this uh, sister, uh, Monique, <laughs> just, just sent me some information uh, coming from uh, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad about uh, working and about working faithfully and work with faith and work for your mosque and work on your own and work for the greatness of the remedy the, uh, uh, the available, it says that there's nothing that you can do without working. I uh, Thank you, brother, sister, for sending that, that, that content. I uh, Thank you for listening. And so that's our job is to work. Our, work, our job is to work to, to help, to heal, and to extend the uh, beauty of who we are as a people. Beautiful. Thank you. Shout-out, Sister Monique. Thank you, Sister
2: Monique. That's right. Uh, Brother Rudolph, go ahead, Brother Rudolph. I know you got something on go the ahead. tip of your tongue. If not, I'll continue. Thank you for sharing that listen, interpretation listen, of I, those words, Adah. Uh, My you know,
1: pleasure. Listening
2: to the, defi- listening to the
3: definition uh, that she gave of that syndrome, we, we've been in that our entire life, our entire life. We've been in a situation where we've been in the middle of an epidemic trying to get over an epidemic and we're walking through another epidemic Pandemic, because it's not an epidemic because it's not singularly focused in one particular area to one group of people at any one time. It's generally focused to all who look like that, who have the same culture, and who have those same um, biomedical uh, characteristics. So with the black healthcare providers it's Especially those in the mental health arenas, we have are, are suffering. One, it's a shortage. True, we got that, but more so than it being a shortage, it's suffering because what they are calling remedies, treatments, and programs for treatment are not that. I mean, it's no, it's, it, it's no. Uh, 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 thinking that they're lying once again, you know, and that they're doing exactly what they've always done in the medical community, use us as guinea pigs in an experiment to see how much damage they can really do to us. But, um, you know, for the nurses who are forced to be in that area, they don't even, and this is system-wide, they don't even, uh, uh, the powers that be, they don't even try to provide the right safe environment for the nurses to work in. So, how can you focus on trying to help heal someone when you are constantly having to look over your shoulder and fight for your own safety? You know, it, 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 it's just, it, it, it's criminal at a certain, and it's criminal what they're doing with the mental health patient at this point. Again, not in any one particular facility, because if you analyze it, you'll see that the playbook is the same no matter where you go. And because there's so many of them now, they, they just are letting them just roam free. What do you do about it? How do you uh, uh, possibly begin to address the situation if you're not in a position to change the laws and to reallocate the resources that are necessary to deal with the situation? And that's just something that was on the top of my head, brother so, so I just threw it out there. I don't expect anybody to answer it. I just had to get it off my chest
2: well we definitely have a subject matter expert in dr washington cuz what brings to my mind doc also is where our people can go after this program uh in terms of websites and uh various institutions if there are any where our people will 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 feel confident you know that time doc you and i were meeting with the uh American Red Cross, and we were using the term cultural competencies. That was the first time I had heard that, but then once it was defined by you and your colleagues, I mean, it made all all the sense in the world. So is there a place um, after you address however you want to address what Brother Rudolph was talking about? To me, what came to my mind is is a database, a network where our people uh, may be able to go and, and feel like, you know, that the institution they're dealing with is really concerned about their well-being.
1: So uh, a powerful piece. So we know that there are uh, individuals, of course, the day-to-day stuff I talked about, uh, coping with uh, racism and oppression. And that's what was mentioned early on in that in that article about what we deal with as professionals. And then there are the more severe uh, chronic elements of mental health a mental illness that we see people with the, what's called, known as schizophrenia, dissociative identity disorder, and so forth and so on. Those uh, those exist as well. We look at our, our brother from uh, uh, Kenya, Irvo uh, Otino, who was uh, recently um, uh, murdered by the police uh, because of having a mental health uh, breakdown and and not or uh, a mental health moment where he needed some support, and rather than get the support, he was deemed to be more criminal than mentally. Uh, challenged in that moment, and uh, so he was he was uh, killed on March sixth this uh And so we we recognize these uh, types of issues, and so the th- things have been tossed out. That should there be mental health professionals always moving with the police? Uh, should there be uh, a special court system for those that have mental uh, challenges? Uh, should there uh, be a, a special process by which we uh, we uh, examine? Or we deal with the elements of of criminality uh, in mental health. What we know is that, irrespective of us as a people having some uh, mental health challenges, that in this society we deem criminal before we have any other problems. And as a matter of fact, on the plantation, right. you could not be uh, uh, you, you couldn't be a, uh, a a tired enslaved African, or a, so what they say a tired uh, n word. Uh, you just have to just simply. Uh, be so you have to not be tired and not be this and not be that and to this day, as as a people we are so ashamed to say that we uh, we need a moment to unplug. We need a moment so that we don't uh, have a break. As a matter of fact, I became a psychologist because I saw certain things in my family that didn't make sense to me, and I wanted to figure out how not to go down the road with those that those people had gone to. I saw them do some stuff that was that was strange, uh, uh, and and so and so I recognize that they. We had one, one family member had schizophrenia, and I, I, I didn't know what it was. I just knew something was strange about him. But folks were scared of him, and I wasn't scared of him. I just thought he was strange. But we had good conversation. And so I didn't want to be that person uh, to go off until so the message that I got is that, well, you know, he was off in college. He was studying hard, and he took something to stay up all night. He wasn't right after that. It's like, no, nah, he was he was already, you know, on the on, on the fence before that even occurred. Uh, and so we have to know that there are spaces that are now uh, more accommodating. As was mentioned in the article, there is the Association of Black Psychologists uh, that has a resource guide for people to find, to reach out, to find someone. There's abside.org. Uh, we have Taraja P. Henson Foundation uh, that uh, has cre- uh, created a, a pathway for individuals to find uh, a free uh, a therapy for a period of time, and then it transitioned to a, a pay process. And so we did the cultural competence training for that organization. And so I'm, I'm privileged to have been invited uh, to do the cultural competence training modules uh, there for the Boris L. Henson Foundation. Uh, uh, there is bl uh, is it dot org. I believe that that is it. But, but look at Boris L. Henson Foundation for Charles Henson. That exists. There is uh, not me. Um, the national Alliance of mental health and mental illness, and so they they exist. They they, they lead people to spaces where people can find uh, space uh, uh, mental uh, health treatment. And then there are people uh, such as uh, Dr. Monique Swift uh, in the Jersey area, and there are others, Dr. Bari mm-hmm. Con- Cartman in in um, in Chicago. Uh, we have brothers and sisters all over uh, um, uh, doing uh, the work. Uh, Dr. Anthony Smith in the Carolinas. Uh, so we have the individuals that, that you can plug into. And many of these people are cataloged uh, with the black psychologists and with the other organizations uh, like that. In California, there is uh, another former president, uh, Dr. Daryl Rowe, and um, uh, um, uh, there are many others uh, that exist all over the country doing the work, and we just don't know them because, one, we don't uh, put ourselves out there to be known, but uh, secondly, I don't, I don't think that we recognize um, that folks like us are doing the work and are saying, mm-hmm. listen, we cannot use, we will not use uh, the Europeans' tools to address our unique issues. And so Dr. Mm-hmm. Wayne Nobles has opened a way for us to think differently about that. Dr. Naim Akbar uh, mm-hmm. uh, has written about this. Uh, Dr. Um, Linda James Myers talked about optimal health, and Dr. Uh, 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 Marimba Ani talked about yurugu and, and the virus. So we have all these people mm-hmm. that have conversed with us about this, and so now we're in this moment where you have avenues. Uh, uh, I'm also doing the work in the MSAPO empowerment Empowerment, uh, that, that uh, commas where you can find us. We do what's called Ubuntu therapy, and we train folks in Ubuntu therapy. It is not the European model of doing the work, but it recognizes that UBU is the idea of being into you as a unifying life force and that, so we talk about the work that we do is about enlivening, connecting one with the unifying life force that's within them. If you think about, as black folks, they said that when we left the house, don't go out there and embarrass us. Or the other thing is that don't let Mm -hmm. the name get you back home. That's Ubuntu. It says that whatever you do, out there in the universe will come back to you, come back to us, because we are all connected. And so that is not a European model. It's about individual therapy. That is saying that to what degree do you feel connected? And that is where you find your greatest amount of health and wellness is when individuals who are normally functioning, even those. Think about this for a moment. Even the, the brother, the cousin that I mentioned that had a mental break with reality, he was not in the hospital. He was with us every single day because that was the idea that even though we mm-hmm. know some, something is, mm-hmm. about him is a little off, he's still us, right? He's still with right. us, and we will hold him in here. We hold him accountable so he can be with us. And when we can't handle it anymore, we find places for him to go, and when he gets when he from the hospital, he comes back, and he's with us right that is our work so again abside.org uh the uh the boris O'Hinson foundation uh nami uh i don't know if there are others out there that that are doing the work uh somebody monique somebody's somebody, texting somebody else is in, in there <laughs> but uh but uh but but i, I can again give you names in, in certain areas dr obari Car- carton is doing some powerful work with black men dr anthony smith like, like i said in the carolinas uh folks down in uh, florida uh, and so we're doing this work. I'm in the uh, now in the Atlanta area, but uh, we're doing the work to make sure that our folks get the healing uh, that they need, not only from minor issues of adjustments, marital stuff, the black love work and that kind of stuff, but also to make sure that our folks are receiving the treatment that they need when it's more um, uh, severe and pronounced.
2: Thank you. Thank you, Doc. Brothers and sisters, ladies and
1: gentlemen, we're listening
2: to Dr. Mwata, uh, Kevin Washington, a man who has dedicated his life to dealing with the black mental health crisis or situation in our community. Um, I'm going to read this next section, if you don't mind, uh, Brother Rudolph, of the article, and then you and or Doc can respond to it. So as it relates to fighting for respect while facing racism, according to the report, 28% of the respondents said they thought about leaving the field in the last two years due to burnout, low wages, increased workload, microaggressions, and racism in the field and personal mental health. 41% of the respondents reported they did not receive training to work with black clients. Of those who reported receiving training, 34% said that training was inadequate. So Aldia Muhammad is a therapist and licensed clinical social worker who was in the Nation of Islam. She has seen clients virtually since the start of the pandemic and told the final call. She has experienced microaggressions and on one occasion direct aggression from white counterparts. Though she addressed those incidents head on, she said she felt uncomfortable from then on being around those individuals. Quote, it is an air from white counterparts as if you don't belong to this space or in this space. Yet, I would quickly remind them I not only belong, I have a right to be in this space. But in fact, I am likely more qualified, she said. Jean Muhammad's experience as a pre-trial and post-conviction mental health clinician mirrors a bit of all the challenges expressed. Also a member of the Nation of Islam, she is licensed in the state of Connecticut and hopes to be in private practice this year. She loves the opportunity to help her predominantly black and indigenous clients. But the downfall are the microaggressions she faces as both a black and Muslim woman, he told the final call. From consistently having to render her cell phone and other items to enter the same federal courthouse to work weekly for the last five months when white lawyers and other white professionals do not, to continuously be asked if she would remove her headscarf, the Muslim headwear, or hijab, are a few microaggressions she has faced, according to Jean Muhammad. Quote, why do, I, why do I have to give them everything to go through the metal detectors and they just walk through? That's part of the discrimination I get on a legal aspect, she stated. When she worked as an emergency mobile psychiatric counselor, she was asked repeatedly if she was credentialed or qualified to assess students in a certain upper echelon community, she stated. Quote, when I go to certain areas of Connecticut, like Westport, Southport, Stamford, the upper income, I've had to sit down with schools and speak with principals and psychologists. The first thing they want to ask me is, How many credentials do I have? Do you have a master's degree? Are you qualified to do this assessment on this young person? She said, I told them, yes, I'm qualified. If I wasn't, I wouldn't have been hired, and then I'd have to go to work and speak to the supervisor. It's like they think I'm lying, said Jean Muhammad. I'm sure... Dr. Washington, you and Brother Rudolph has, have experienced that. Would you like to elaborate? This is Brother oh, Rudolph. Ahead,
1: I don't want to jump in. Go ahead. Go,
2: go
1: <laughs> you ahead. You it's um, uh, the idea of qualification. So let's go back to the initial statement. It was, uh, Sister mentioned that, um, that doing the work, what happens is that there's a, the presumption of incompetence by those that are uh, arrogant to be able to assume that one that doesn't look like them has the qualification to determine who else should be there. That is, a, that is a mental disorder in and of itself, right? To uh, 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 That is mentally unstable to assume that you are the only one that can do the work, right? That's mm-hmm. the issue of narcissism, uh, the issue mm-hmm. of of. of, of arrogance, right, that I can do this without an assessment of your true history. So that is an element of burnout in the field of of always perpetually trying to prove one's competence, and then they ask you, are you ready? Those things are designed to wear you down without an understanding of the origins of the field discipline in the first place, right, coming out of the uh, uh, G. Stanley Hall, who's credited with being the, the, the father of American psychology, who suggested that Indians, Africans, and Chinese were adolescent races, and that they would never be able to be elevated to the level of, of high order people as whites? And that came out of, out of the Charles Darwin discussion about the origin of species, that comes from mm. the uh, Dawson discourse, who said that 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 blacks, uh, Africans, Africans, Negroes were half witted, uh, who make childish, stupid and simpleton mistakes combined with such thinking prolong the enslavement in this country. So this was this is this is the origin of psychology in this country. So this is why we always challenge it and said and then coming out of that you have in, in eighteen fifty one you have Samuel Cartwright saying that any enslaved African that left the plantation had a disease of the mind called drapetomania. Drapetes means to flee from home. Uh, mania is madness. So what does it make sense to Sit there to be beaten and sodomized and brutalized and how was the how was the plantation my home in the first place That's sickness in in and of itself to assume that somehow you can beat me and and I, I just sit there I, I I don't run if I run something's wrong with me but then they said that if you stay there you yeah, have what's, what's called dysthesia ethiopica which is habitue of mind and deadness of nerves and so you have all this stuff coming together the early 1800s to perform what we consider right now to be psychology. So in reality, then, psychology in this country has a racist, a very racist uh, beginning. Uh, Senator John C. Calhoun of South Carolina advanced that a number of deaf, dumb, blind, idiots, and in were among the Negroes. And thus he said that if you allow the Negro, in 1840, he was saying this, if you allow the Negro to go free in this country, he will suffer under the burden of, of, of freedom. And thus he said this is proof that there's a necessity for slavery of the Africans or black in this country because he become a lunatic and have become uh, un- incapable of taking care of him or herself. Think about that. This is being fed by the psychiatrist and the psychologist feeding this, and so you're going to ask me am I qualified? The fundamental question becomes who taught you in the first place to do what you're doing? And if you go back to your own lineage, it's racist from the beginning, so you're, you're questioning me. is based on your racist nature and not on the issue of what is good for mental health and mental wellness. But we're not even finishing with that because we got to deal with Lewis Terman in 1960. Ahead, he up uh, the first IQ <laughs> test, and we've done the first IQ test in this country. He said that high grade or borderline deficiency is very, very common among the Spanish, Indian, and Mexican families of the Southwest and also among the Negroes He said their dullness Seems to be racial or at least inherent in their family stock Thus we have a situation by which The, uh, the, the, the founder Of the first IQ test was saying that there was nothing actually astute about African people. And the first group test was developed by Robert Yerkes. He developed the Army Alpha test. He had the same idea. And Benjamin Rush in the 1700s, who is the father of American psychiatry, said that, that, that black folks had what was called nigritude, and that to heal them, have to turn their skin white. Let me pause it just for a moment to say that
0: uh-huh. the challenge
1: that the sister was, 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 was going against, the challenge that we all face, is that uh, they don't want us to be in the discipline to think black, they want us to be in the discipline to think right. And so the question is not, are you qualified? The question is, have you been sanitized away from yourself to do the bidding for us to further perpetuate the oppression of our people through psychology? And to that, we say no. We say no because we have A, B, side. We say no because we have the black social workers. We say no because we have the black nurses. The this that, 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 that rose up out of California in 69 to say that we will do it another way. And so we don't bow down to that conversation. So, so that is the power. The power is to say, yes, I know why you're coming for me, because you know how qualified I really am. And so I right. understand Tom Thielen, uh, who said that uh, 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 that, that idea of, of doing the work has to be based on the goodness of who we are as a people. So I will pause there. I'm out. I'm, I'm done. I'll stop I, I, I'm on <laughs> fire right now. You got me going. we love it. We love
2: it. We love it. That's what happens when you come on this show, brother.
1: Right. I
0: you got you. the I green light. A hey,
3: it's not even a yellow light in the highway. It's a green light, a steady green light. <laughs>
2: yeah, Doc. Have I should have been... put a warning label on my Improv 2 invitation, brother. <laughs> Your light would catch on fire with a firefighter. And an EMT (laughs)
0: professional,
2: (laughs) you know. Wow,
3: brother, brother, I can I can't even begin to um, intellectualize or verbalize as eloquently as he did. I'll say it like this: because I'm the voice of ones crying out in the projects. (laughs) I simply asked him two questions or make two statements. One, am I qualified? I was born qualified to deal with my people in any situation that they're in because the same blood that runs through their veins runs through mine. So I know what they need, and I'm the only one qualified to give it to them. You're not qualified to sit at the table and analyze me or any of mine as to what's going on, because you're a part of the problem. So you can't be a part of the solution. Second, you say that you're qualified, you say that you have all the degrees and that's what makes you qualified, then you get an F. Because with all your qualifications, you ain't fixed the problem yet. As a matter of fact, the problem got worse under your watch. So how qualified are you to fix a problem if it gets worse when you touch it? I would just simply answer it that way and
2: leave it at that. Beautiful. You know, in listening to you, Doc, um, it made me think of a couple of things. One was uh, Dr. Amos Wilson. May God be pleased with him when he uh, penned the book, The uh, Psychology of the Black Child, he was saying even from birth, because of uh, all of the people that you named and their mindset as Europeans, he said, you know, the field of psychology treats, they know that a black child and a white child are different from birth, but they treat, I'll never forget the statement, he said they treat a black child as if they were a white child, just painted black, (laughs) painted black, you know. And so when you said that, when you said that, it reminded me of uh, Dr. Amos Wilson, who always, you know, uh, bigged up the Nation of Islam for, and the Most Honorable Elijah Muhammad for being able to change uh, the black community and the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan, of course, who's doing the work of the most honorable Elijah Muhammad now. And then as I move into, when you talked about, or Brother Rudolph, the both of you, moving into recommendations and moving ahead, in the article it mentions the uh, black psychiatrists of America, and I can't help but to think of our dear sister, and may God be pleased with her, uh, Sister Dr. Nana Patricia Newton, a.k.a. Koshawa Segment, who was a protege of uh, Dr. Francis Cress Welsing, so we wanted to make sure we lift up our ancestors as we move forward. So the article says, under recommendations and moving ahead. Meanwhile, the Black Mental Health Workforce Workforce Report is historic because it's the first multidisciplinary and multigenerational report on the black mental health workforce, according to authors, who sought salient factors that present concerns, challenges, and barriers among them. Yes. The Association of Black Psychologists Incorporated, ABC, in collaboration with the Black Psychiatrists of America Incorporated, and the Association of Black Social Workers, surveyed over 600 black mental health professionals. This phase one report summarizes key issues driving the shortage of black mental health professionals, identifies key challenges, and offers initial recommendations. Quote, the thing that stood out the most was black clinicians were not being trained to help black people, unquote, continued Ms. London, citing the survey. She went on to say, the history of psychology, as you said, Doc, in America, has a very negative vibrational energy to it. And our people are all about vibrations and energy and connectivity. So ABCI, the black social workers, the black psychiatrists are here as an intermediary if we need the help for our minds, emphasized Ms. London. Don't make any mistake that we are just that strong, just that different. We need the help, but by people that understand us and that look like us to prevent re-traumatization, she said. The uh, That is trauma-enforced care for black people because re-traumatization is putting you in front of the white clinician and the white clinician telling you, there's something wrong with you, as you stated earlier, Doc, when it's the system of the so-called white supremacy that is causing the problems and then telling you there is something wrong with you instead of there's something wrong with the system. Man, we just talked about that. You know, we're glad in the Holy Quran it says uh, repetition is the mother of learning and a reminder, benefit the believers. This article goes on to say, Out of 648 responses from mental health professionals, primarily in the continental U.S., nearly half, 45%, who responded were ages 25 to 45, and 38% were 46 to 65. Across all groups, respondents identified student loans as their primary challenge. Unlike other reports, this report intentionally centers the voice of Black mental health professionals through direct quotes on the problems and solutions, according to its authors. Quote, there is a lack of representation of clinicians of color, particularly Black male clinicians. The workforce lacks diversity, and it is difficult to find clinicians of color in private practice who can serve the demands of clients who need services. There are many imbalances in the workforce that are not being indre- addressed. The space is underserved and under supported, said one respondent. Anytime you have a righteous black man in a position where he's in a helping field is a positive thing to me, whether he's a teacher social worker, medical professional, psychologist, psychiatrist, clinical social worker, anywhere in the community of human services, said Michael uh, Gwynn, I believe, uh, in Tumishi uh, is, is his name, different names, national treasure of the National Association of Black Social Workers. Having a male figure doesn't mean female professionals don't have the power but the response is a bit different, particularly when dealing with a black male child," Mister. Gwynn said. Response,
1: Doc. Hey, um, yeah, you when you hit Dr. Amos Wilson, uh, that was uh, my uh, one of my leaders who talked me about before he'd made his transition about the the field and and what I should do I, as a matter of fact, I was burnt out I was going to quit because of racism and uh and he just called this is in the era uh this early area uh, this is in the early this is beeper transition to cell phone era and he said mm-hmm. uh, he said, uh, brother Washington, let me tell you this. And he ran through a list of things and when I tell you that every issue I was dealing with he spoke to. Yet yeah, he was in New York and I was in Washington, D.C. So we know mm-hmm. that uh, that spirit moving uh, in that moment. And so uh, the work of our people, uh, it can be taxing. Uh, it can be uh, overwhelming, and people do uh, get burnt out. Uh, and we are not trained to do the work among our people. We are trained uh, to do the work as blackenized andized uh, white folks and that is uh, that is it and so our credibility our credibility is determined by the degree to which we honor and elevate European ideologies and that's one of the things that I don't do in my classes. is that I will talk about the theories that 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 I've learned and then I talk about our folks I make sure that uh, before our students leave my classroom they have heard of the work of uh, uh, Dr. Wade they've heard of the work of Naeem Akbar and and mm-hmm. James Myers they've heard of uh, Cheryl Grills, they've heard about A B style. They know about the black social workers. They you can't leave without that. Oh, you're going with that black stuff. If I don't get the black <laughs> stuff, what kind of stuff is in you, right? Because right. because if you are comparing what I said to be uh, other than what you have, then what you have is antithetical to what who you really are. And so and so we have to talk about who we really are. And so you cannot leave the space. But as as stated earlier, we do not do we don't have that training. However, we do not expect our oppressor. Uh, we do not expect, as you say, the name Islam, our open enemy, to be able to educate us. Because their mm-hmm. job every single day is to make sure that they attack and destroy their enemy. And so as a result, to destroy us, uh, Stephen Biko says the greatest weapon of the oppressor is the mind of the oppressed. That once I have mm-hmm. your mind under control, uh, that I have you. That's what also what Dr. Um, Carter G. Woodson says, that when you control a man's thinking, you don't worry about his actions. And so they were very clear that when you have the mind under control, the behind goes. That's why Parliament Funkadelic said, free your mind and your behind mm-hmm. will follow. And so, so we got all of these lyricists uh, saying the same thing. And I even want to dig in on this one, Brother Joseph, and, and uh, dig into what Gladys Knight says, I have to use the best of my imagination to keep on keeping on in a bad situation. Where That's is right. that coming from? That's coming from on. deep within. That's going. That's this. That's coming from deep within. And so, as healers, what our job is to, it is to do is to not simply regurgitate and parrot European ideology and European ways of functioning, but to make sure that we extend the brilliance of our of our people. What did Muddir say? What did uh, 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 Mama say? What was the power of Elijah Muhammad to come out and talk about the narrative? Who are the Black Moors? What's the five percenters? What is it all about? Who was Daddy Grace? Who was Father Divine? What were they doing to move people? How was Marcus Garvey able to uplift folks to gather with no Internet to make a move? What happened over with uh, Yomo Kenyatta? And who was Kwame Nkrumah? Why did he go out and talk about Pan-Africanism? Why was Julius Nyerere who he was? And why was Patrice Lamumba murdered for talking about something? See, when we began to unpack those narratives, what was Yaa with doing with the drum that created the British to become in, uh, frightened by what was happening? That's the healing work that we do so when we begin to pull that up that's true psychology not the issue of becoming a parent for europeans but to be able to understand that we have a legacy of individuals who understood the psyche of 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 how to function and so that's why we studied the the narratives of the zulu and that's why we know we know terms like uh, uh, which is the withdrawal of ancestral protection for not pro- doing a proper ritual. Or oh, we understand a uh, comco among the uh, icon to operate without spirit or soul, right? And ke no ka, right? We, we know these kinds of these constructs and we elevate them because we know that they have merit in the universe. And, and the question that we then ask Europeans is that do you know about Ubuntu? Right, so we ask that question. So, what qualifies you? Because the way we're coming at this is through boom 2. Well, probably more about this. I want to know more about that. When I was in school, grad school, this is this is how it went down. They would ask me, oh, "Well, so, Kevin, what do you think?" And uh, I would give them my thoughts. Uh, well, um, how do you know that to be true? Because I said so. So, I would say that I cannot <laughs> go in my community saying, uh, I, "I cannot go go into my community saying, Well, how does that make you feel?'" right because they're gonna ask right. me this brother this is why we came to you in the first place we ask me how it make you feel you all know how i make you, make you feel you the psychologist right
0: right 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 and so, right. And,
1: so right. and so they said uh, uh well you know uh, um uh well you know that's really not it i mean that's anecdotal data so anecdotal data meant that it was based on my personal experience as if somehow my personal experience was not enough when we learn from psychologists who actually did work on their own children, came up with their theories and developments around child development. Come on, er- Erickson. So so the idea is that they did Ooh, yeah. their work on their own children, came up with the theory. They came up with their own folks they worked with of Sigmund Freud, worked with his own clients, and came up with his various theories. And then I can't. I don't have no agency. No, the hell you preach. I came from those. I'm. I'm. I'm the cream of the universe. Project. I come from the greatest of the great. And so, if I say it to be I'm saying it not because it's coming out of my mouth, because it came from the ones that came before me. Because I recognize that I'm a seed, a seed of a seed of a seed of a seed of DC. And so, so that's our power. And so, we don't have to check out. Our obligation and duty is to not to beg them to teach us. Obligation and duty is to stop and do the work for ourselves and use our own theories and constructs and then say this is what works and this is why, how it works and not be bogged down by evidence based on that which has been researched, but evidence based is that which comes from the therapist, from the community that you're working with, and also from past experiences. So I understand that this has value. I understand that as a therapist it has value, and I've seen it work in the past. That's evidence based. Practice, and so we do that as well.
2: Beautiful. Evidence-based practice. You better act like you know. Brothers and sisters, we've been blessed to hear from our dear brother, Brother Dr. Walter Kevin Washington, former president of the uh, Black Psychologists Incorporated. We have in the studio and blessed to have because as brothers, you know, we don't feel balanced without the sisters being amongst us. So we have our dear sister. This Dr. Anel Prim of the All Healers Mental Health Alliance who will bring the perspective from, you know, her vantage point in black psychiatry. And, Dr. Prim, we're, we're now at the point in these last 25 minutes or so where we're dealing with the solutions of healing, unity, and self-improvement for both our people, our community. And I know in most of the meetings, Uh, You have a a wrap-up asking the healthcare professionals about self-care and what they need to do to bring about healing, unity, and self-improvement for themselves. So welcome to this week's edition of Disaster Awareness for Community Preparedness, and we thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to address our listening audience. You know we love you, and there's nothing you can do (laughs) about it. Dr. Prim, the floor is yours.
4: Oh, thank you so much, Brother Youssef. Um, I love you back, and the All Healers Mental Health Alliance loves you back. And, you know, thank you for the opportunity to be on the show. And much respect uh, to the previous speaker. Uh, I resonated with the things that he had to say. And um, the way that that gets applied with the All Healers Mental Health Alliance is that we – seek to facilitate culturally aligned responses to the mental health needs of black communities in the aftermath of disasters, whether they be uh, natural disasters like hurricanes or tornadoes or human caused disasters like the Flint water crisis and the Buffalo massacre in um, May of, of 2022. And, um, you know, even though I'm a psychiatrist, this work is not psychiatry necessarily. We're not necessarily treating people for a mental illness. We are supporting their mental health, promoting <laughs> their mental health and their well-being. Um, you know, the, the brother, a previous speaker, mentioned Ubuntu, um, which is a very important concept. I am because we are and that's very important from our African cultural roots because that's we right. are a collective people, you know, and we we heal uh by coming together. You know, it's not an isolated type of of situation. It's a, you know, a collaborative effort, a group effort. And um what we're finding in our work in the aftermath of disasters is that you know some of the healing uh, from the trauma of the disaster and you know the the racism that comes before the disaster that you know really leads to layers of of struggle and trauma that that to heal you know it can best be done through group initiatives, and um, we have been uh, utilizing healing circles uh, as a way to address trauma from all sorts of disasters, in, including uh, the racism that exists in our society, which in my opinion is like the ultimate disaster. And it, it, it has uh, emanations and reverberations in all aspects of life, not just uh, hurricanes and tornadoes and, you know, the results of the climate crisis. Uh, but, you know, just in, in so many different aspects of life, racism shows up and, and can have an impact on our mental health and well-being. There are so many examples in our lives today, you know, in, uh, you know with the current events. We don't have to look too far to find uh, some sort of situation uh, that involves mm-hmm. racism at the core and um and, and it's having a, a, a deleterious impact on us, but collectively we can deal with it and, and really the All Healers Mental Health Alliance, you know, these are people from all different backgrounds and disciplines and professions, you know, whether they be mental health professionals, health advocates, uh, you know, first responders, faith leaders, really all coming to the table to share their brain power, to think through what is it that we can do to support the mental health and well-being of our people in whatever the situation is. And we always come up with something. You know, the answer might not be the same every single time. It's customized. And the first step is to find out from the people, from that specific community that's affected, what is it that they want? What is it that they need? to feel whole, and then we figure out mm-hmm. how, can we, how can we help them. And so, um, you know, it, after the Buffalo Massacre, for instance, back in May of 2022, it took the form of healing circles, and um, those healing circles are still going on today. You know, this is going on a year uh, since that h- horrific traumatic event happened uh, in the city of Buffalo, uh, we're still in touch with the folks in Buffalo. Um, some of the volunteers from that community are being trained in how to conduct healing circles virtually uh, as well as, as in person. And uh, I have to pay tribute uh, to the Association of Black Psychologists, um, which was one of the uh, national organizations that came to the table after the Buffalo Massacre, you know, to think through, you know, what can we do? Uh, And they uh, have, you know, gotten an opportunity to respond. I could go on and on, but I feel like you might want to ask me a question. Well, no, I I think what
2: you're giving our listening audience is uh, priceless. And um, we just, you know, people don't know all the work that your organization is doing or the black psychologists or psychiatrists of America. And so, as you know, we try to give everybody an opportunity to get your voice heard. And that's why we are eternally grateful that you would take time out of your schedule to share with our listening audience the work, just some of the work that you've done. You talked about Buffalo. You talked about so many. You know, in the fire service, we we coin a term called situational awareness.
4: Right. And that's basically
2: Definitely. designed as uh, defined as knowing what to do, when to do, where to do, and how to do. How so to do. we, we right. know you can go, but we know Brother Rudolph always has a question, and the brother who you were listening to earlier, you you, you vaguely might have an understanding of who he is, former president of the Black Psychologist, Brother Imwata Kevin Washington. Doctor.
4: Oh. Wonderful. Oh. He is so he's so fantastic. It's so (laughs) wonderful. It's an honor to be in your presence once again. It's been a while. (laughs)
1: It's been a while, the, Dr. Prem. Dr. Prem and I were working on something some some time ago. As Rudolph forms this question, we would look talk about racism as a mental disorder being added into the DSM. I was saying we mm-hmm. got to do it when I was coming out of grad school. I was like I was hot, so I haven't haven't stopped, Dr. Prim. We still <laughs> didn't look at that, look at that work, but I have admired Dr. Prim tremendously over over the years, and so she has kept me uh, pulled up and lifted uh, in many ways, and so it's always an honor to be able to be in uh, her presence. So thank you for allowing me to be here with her today.
4: No, the Um, honor is ours. My pleasure, too. My pleasure, too. I have to uh, give honor and praise uh, to Dr. Washington, you know, his concept of psycho-spiritual alignment. You know, Mm. that was really um, just so profound, and um, it really just crystallizes everything that we need to be about as healers for our people so i really uh thank you for that
3: beautiful oh, thank you thank beautiful you so- <laughs> bro- bro- brother you both of you docs uh i'm gonna hold my question there's a actual psych nurse that's on the line right now who i think could benefit um um by Speaking directly to both of you and maybe getting a word from both of you because she works in a hell of a condition day in and day out. Um, So let me bring her on. Sister Cheryl.
5: Brother Rudolph, thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed listening to this conversation. It's so enriching. And at the same time, it validated a lot of my concerns as a psychiatric nurse. I work in a, in a, in an underserved community, um, most of the people that come to me are underserved even within the healthcare care um, field and, 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 and not just with psychiatric help, but just in general. They're underserved. So I, I find myself coming across a lot of challenges, and I wanted to maybe pose a question if that's okay, because this, this was very interesting. Oh, yeah. and and that's I just, why I
3: brought you okay. in. Yep.
5: Yes. Yeah, so, and you know, Brother Rudolph, I've had a lot of issues with violence in patients, right? Because when I see a a patient, they're usually acute. That means they're still in the psychosis stage, which I'm sure you guys are aware of that. So my concern is I feel that, like how you were saying, we use a Europeanized approach to – handle a lot of these situations, especially with people of color, black and the Hispanic community. They come at them with a a European-type approach, and that's not effective. So when I get these patients that are acute, I notice that a lot of the doctors who tend to be um, white or uh, Asian descent, their immediate response is to restrain, physically restrain the patient, medicate them down, and worry about it later. But, you know, when I get like a, a white female that's in a psychosis, they want me to listen to her. They want me to allow her space to express herself, even if that requires me getting hurt in the process, if that makes what? sense. So
0: what?
5: how do I, as the medical professional, even though I'm a nurse and I'm treating and I'm under the leader of, uh, under the direction of a doctor, how can I? tailor my response to fit the needs of people that look like me, black people, Hispanic people. How can I tailor my response and still stay in compliance and treat those that are in, in acute psychosis, if my question makes sense? And thank you for letting me ask.
1: Dr. Prim, I'm gonna, I've been talking. I'm going to back off. That's for you.
4: <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, thank you for your question, Sister Cheryl. Um, as you were talking, you know, I was imagining some of the psychiatric inpatient units that I've worked on, you know, over the years. It's, it's been a while, but um, I, I don't think things have changed Absolutely. that
0: much. And
4: and and like you, when I was working in those settings, I noticed some differences in the way that black patients were treated versus the way that white patients were treated, very frankly. And so um, I, I spoke on it. <laughs> I, I, I brought it up to the leadership and I said, you know, I'm noticing there's some differences, there's some racial differences in, in the, the quality of the care that we are providing. And, um, and this, you know, the, the potential of these differences, you know, could result in some bad outcomes, of, you know, for our black patients. And so we need to look at, you know, what are the standard protocols that we are using and we need to uh to to use them across the board and not treat uh, you know, one group differently like, you know, one um racial group, gender group differently than others. We used to we need to use the same standards. Um I recognize that um for the black the black men that were in my care, um, I mean, I've I've had some bad experiences in the emergency room where a gentleman was agitated. He, he was uh, a person that I had, had treated before, but because he became combative, he ended up being arrested. And, you know, um, as opposed to receiving the care that he needed. And so there are a lot of um, risks around this, but I think, we have to hold, uh, you know, psychiatric systems and, um, and, and psychiatric hospital facilities and even outpatient facilities, hold them accountable to certain standards of care. As you know, um, you know, restraints and seclusion, those are supposed to be used very sparingly, if, if ever, because, yes. you know, it, it, it comes off as a very punitive um, you know, aspect of treatment, and, and it can be very harmful and traumatic to people who, like from the very beginning, are reluctant to even come into the mental health system. And when exactly. they come into the mental health system and they're treated this way, it turns them off, you know, even more where people don't want to have uh-huh. anything to do with it. And, and so that means that some people who need care won't get it because of the, the fear and the lack of trust. So we really have to take a step back. I mean, there are so many books written about this stuff, you know, um, you know, people from our community uh, who have written papers and books. You know, the information is there. People just need to read it. And, um, you know, I don't know if your institution has, um, you know, continuing education there for everybody, you know, the nurses, the psychiatrists, social workers, and others who are a part of the team so that everybody can learn the same information as it applies, um, you know, across the board to patients, certain basic standards of care, but also being very sensitive not to fall into the trap of, um, you know, treating black patients differently because people are afraid of them or, yes. you know, they are, they are, um you know, following certain negative stereotypes that are out there. So um, I don't know if a consultant could be brought in. Um, You know, I will tell you that the Black Psychiatrists of America uh, has partnered with um, the Central East Mental Health Technology Transfer Center to put together a series of webinars um, that talk about mental health care Um, You know, in the black community, all different dimensions, whether it's treating depression or bipolar disorder, schizophrenia, other conditions, and uh, to to basically raise awareness of uh, people to, you know, some of the, you know, important aspects of care that people need to pay attention to. And the whole point is to uh, really, um, you know, to, to achieve mental health equity in care. And so I'd be happy to share the information about those webinars. Uh, You and your colleagues uh, at the facility where you work uh, perhaps could benefit from that.
5: Absolutely, and I would love that information because I actually did speak up, and unfortunately, um, even though we're in southeastern Michigan, I, I went to nursing school in New York and got a lot of my nursing in New York, the Bronx in particular, but we're in Southeastern Michigan, and um, and sometimes I forget that that kind of segregated thinking is still very prevalent here, so I have spoken up, and Brother Rudolph would tell you, I have spoken up and even written letters about the implicit bias because it's at a point of abuse for certain patients, and I was transferred to yeah. inpatient psych out of acute adult psych. I was punished. So... It, and it just makes it more frustrating for me. But all that information I think would benefit me because I want to be more aware. And maybe through me I can educate others, if that makes sense. But this particular facility, I don't think they were open to change because they said, oh, yes, we understand. You go back to Three West. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So. But you know what? What about the Joint
4: that. Commission? What about the Joint oh. Commission? Because the Joint Commission has is, is very um, – they're aware of some of the disparities and inequities that exist, and they're paying attention to it. And so if Ah. the commission found out that there were differences in how black and white patients were being treated, there would be some problems. They would need to make some corrections there in order to, you know, to get a passing grade. So, you know, there could be some consequences if people don't, you know, get on board with this. That's a great idea. I didn't even think about the joint commission. Yes, thank Neither you for that. Did I, Cheryl. Neither did I. Thank you. That is great.
5: That, that that's a good
3: that's a good avenue um for us to address.
5: But that that was my question, and you fed me a lot of knowledge and I really appreciate it and I'm and I love this conversation and I just really enjoy what you guys do every week on the show. So thank you so much. Thank,
2: thank you. you, Sister Cheryl, for calling in. May God continue to bless you with success in your profession. Well, brothers and sisters, we're at the end, unfortunately, of this week's program. I don't know about you, but I still have my seatbelt on. I've been fed so much beautiful information. And we want to thank our dear sister, Dr. Nell Prim, for calling in and sharing with us in this last half hour, as well as Dr. And what, to Kevin Washington, who stayed with us the whole program. but we definitely want to give them an opportunity to make any closing statements. Uh, Dr. Prim, thank you.
4: Oh, and thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. Um, I guess I would just say, you know, to everyone out there, you know, mental health is important, Um, There's no health without mental health. It's such a central uh, aspect of our lives. You know, it means our ability to adapt to change and cope with stress. Uh, But we need to realize that sometimes we need help. We need each other uh, in order to to cope. So, uh, you know, don't stand alone as an island. Um, Be connected with your brothers and sisters. Be in community that has uh healing powers
2: thank you thank you thank you so much dr prim may god continue to bless you and your family as you move forward doing what you've been born to do we love you thank you
1: dr thank M. you <laughs> well
0: thanks
1: thank you so much i was i was just whatever dr prim said that's it we just as it that's the no more dictionary we're done <laughs> um just want to make sure that um that our people understand that you have to always honor those from whom you've come, your ancestry, uh, those that you've come to serve, those that are with you right now, and those that are yet to come. Uh, and that is the power of our moment. That is the power of the now moment, and that we are accountable to those uh, living, those uh, that have gone before us and those yet to be born. And this is what the Honorable Elijah Muhammad really talked about, the do for self. The do for self is not simply the self in the moment, uh, but do for self for the past and do for self for the future. And so in doing for self, that's where we find our greatest amount of mental wellness and mental health. We know that altruism is where people can begin to be healed. And so as we do for others, my mother says that it's impossible to do for others without at some point being healed and doing for yourself at the same time. And my grandmother always says this, be who you is, And not who you ain't, because if you be who you ain't, you ain't going to be nobody. So always be who you are (laughs) and not who you're not.
2: I say. I say. I say. Shout out to the Big Mama. Shout out to the University of Big Mama. Thank you, Dr. Washington. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Brother Rudolph, I'm going to give you the last word, brother. I just want to close out with the end of this article As uh, Brother Dr. Washington talked about the Most Honorable Elijah Muhammad, his national representative, the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan, has often spoken on the trauma that has impacted black communities and the need to get to the root of that trauma. The minister developed a course of study titled Self-Improvement, the Basis for Community Development designed to produce self-examination, self-analysis, self-correction, and to quicken in each person the self-accusing spirit. He has chapters including overcoming difficulty, building the will, the struggle for balance, building human potential, the God within, And the four great impediments to self-development are just a few of the topics addressed in the study guide. So we want to thank you, our listening audience. Tune in next week, same time, same station. Thank you for allowing me to serve you. Well, that's all I'm trying to be is a better servant, a better student, a better soldier, and a better servant, little S. Excuse me, better savior, little S. Brother Rudolph, thank you for allowing me to hang out with you, brother. as alaykum. Oh, thank you. wa salam
3: Thank you, brother. And thank you, both of you doctors. Thank you for coming and giving us a healing today. But we need to set a part two to this because this no wasn't doubt. nearly enough time. So uh, we'll be in touch with you so that we can get your schedules so we can go deeper into this and come up with a game plan and maybe a protocol that could be introduced in order to um better help serve people of color in this um, mental health arena, and um we can get back to treating our patients and caring for the sick and the injured. Thank you and uh, to the to the family that's on, on board. We we will um that that's it that's it there's nothing more we can say um, until next week may Allah bless you may He keep you and may heaven shine upon you um if if we are blessed with life next Friday then we will be right here same time same place the Black Hole Radio Network for another edition of Disaster Awareness for Community Preparedness. Until then, watch the weather. As-salamu alaykum.
2: wa alaikum salam, sir.
0: in a word are a soul